that song on Monday uh, when I preached in chapel at Ambassador, and I said, uh, could you sing it Sunday? I, uh, I, uh, I get teary-eyed over it because uh, one of the things when my wife passed away 13 years ago is the devil would love for you to believe that God's not good anymore. And uh, that song comes from Psalm 119, verse 68. And that verse was on a little plaque on our kitchen uh, cabinet. And I was washing dishes. My wife had been passed away a couple of days. And I was washing dishes. I was crying and wiping my eyes. And I looked up and that little plaque says, Thou art good and doeth good. Teach me thy statutes. The character of God does not change in our circumstances. He's still good. He loves us with an everlasting love. And he rejoices over us with singing. And that doesn't change at all. And we need to be reminded that God changes not. Thank you, Rihanna, for reminding us about that. Philippians chapter 2 in your Bible. This morning, we are continuing in the second chapter. And uh, I read the text this morning. Some of you probably said, preacher, couldn't we skip this verse do all things without murmurings and disputings. Have you ever had verses of scripture that you wish, wish you could take a razor blade and just kind of cut on that thing a little bit? But guess what? You can cut it out all you want to, but it's still God's word. And he has said to us that we're to do all things without murmurings and disputings. I, uh, all of us, we have a tendency to run toward complaining and grumbling. That is a natural tendency for all of us that we almost gravitate in that direction. Uh, when we had COVID uh, a few years ago, I, uh, I worked as a hospice chaplain. We were not allowed in nursing homes for a while. Uh, we saw patients. Some of them, we saw them at the window. Some of the families were visiting at the window. I worked at a funeral home. And I usually only work like one, two, or three funerals a month. Uh, that January of that year, I worked 19. We worked uh, 13 in February. And most of them were COVID-related deaths, whether it was COVID that caused it, but it was COVID-related deaths. And I told people, I said, here I am a hospice chaplain. Here I'm a pastor. My wife has passed away. I've, my parents have passed away. Are we just getting used to death? Is it just kind of ho-hum, you know, somebody died? I'm afraid that in this area of complaining that we get used to complaining. That we think it's kind of a natural thing, that it's kind of a God-given gift to us. It might be a, what people might feel like a spiritual gift to be a complainer. But the Bible says we're to do all things. I like the word all. When I'm preaching, I've got three fingers pointing right back at me. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Christians can fall into the trap of being a complainer and a griper. Stories told of a fellow who wanted to become a monk. And he went to a monastery and uh, at that monastery, he was only allowed to speak two words every five years. Every five years, he could speak two words. 
And so uh, after he'd been there for five years, the head fellow came and said, it's your turn. Two words. He said, hard bed, hard bed. And uh, that was his two words. They said, well, well, you know, a lot of other folks have been telling us how hard these beds are here too. And five more years passed. Been there 10 years now. Five more years passed. And they said, okay, you can speak two more words. He said, bad food, bad food. He said, well, some other folks have been telling us about bad food as well. But five more years, been there 15 years. They said, all right, you get two more words to speak. He said, I quit. <laughs> and the fellow said, I kind of been expecting it. You've been complaining the whole time you've been here. <laughs> Why do we complain? Unbelief. The verses that preceded this verse of Scripture said, It is God that worketh in you both the will and the do of his good pleasure. And we do not trust that God is sovereignly in control. And so we complain. We complain about our taxes. I've moved to a new area. Taxes are higher in Rock Hill than they were in Whiteville. We complain about long lines. We complain about how long we had to wait at the DMV I tell people, if you like the DMV, you're going to love socialized medicine. I mean, we complain because it's too hot. We complain because it's too cold. There was a lady several years ago in my church. <clears throat> she was about 50-something years old, and every service she sat there with a fan. just like this. Don't you be thinking about anybody you know now. And she would, just, and she would say, preacher, it is too hot in here. In the same service, she went to one of the deacons and said, it's too cold in here. Never changed anything on the thermostat. It all stayed the same, but it was too hot and too cold all at the same time. What's interesting today in our own world in which we live, if you notice the next two verses, says that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, oh boy, that's true of us. Among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Erwin Lutzer has written a book. We have a copy of it. It's called Holy Living in an Unholy World. And he says in that book, that the evils of our day are very interesting because now this generation of Christians condones what the past generation condemned. What our parents and grandparents condemned, now people in this generation says it's all right now. Complaining has never been all right. I wrote up a scenario that I, I witnessed part of this, added some on to it myself. In a restaurant, a couple was sitting there. The man came in, he said, it's too cold in here. He told the waitress, I've waited a coon's age to get service around here. The food here is terrible. Would you take my food, ma'am, and take it back to the kitchen and heat it up? The broccoli's too hard. And on and on and on and on. 
after the meal was over. He turned to the waitress and said, I'm a Christian. I teach a Sunday school class. I'd love to give you a gospel tract today to tell you how you can be saved. We'd love for you to come and visit our church. They're not going to listen to the message that you present. And they would not want to come to the church thinking there may be more of them like him at the same church. Here in this passage of scripture, we see that it tells us without murmurings and disputings. If we don't trust God, we'll mumble. And the word to murmurings actually means to mumble with a a low-toned voice, maybe under our breath as we complain. We're discontented. We see what others have. We saw something on the computer, or I've got to have this, when happiness is our goal instead of holiness is our goal. We'll camp all night, people say, to get the latest iPhone. We'll pay $300 for a pair of tennis shoes that we don't know how to tie. We've got to have the latest video game. I want, I want it, and I want it now. Our life became filled with anger and frustration and worry. And yes, complaining. One preacher said to another preacher, I know that there's no new angels in heaven. No baby angels up there. No new angels in heaven. But my congregation is showing that they're going to be angels in heaven because they're always harping about something. (laughs) Let me say to you, I've said to the deacons, if you have something that concerns you, I would love to talk to you. We have an open door policy. I've had it at every church I've ever been in. It's It's not the pastor off somewhere that you can't ever talk to. I've handed out my phone number, my email address. Would love to meet with you if you have something that you want to talk to the pastor about. I would love to talk with you about it. But what's the natural tendency among Christians? This is what it says here. Paul's saying this to the the church at Philippi. The natural tendency, he says, I want you to do all things. Even these two ladies in chapter 4 that are fighting back and forth each other, do all things without murmurings. And disputings. First Peter 4 9 says, Use hospitality one to another without grudging. That word grudging actually means complaining. We have a tendency to, to shift the blame to somebody else. I mean, Adam said, You know, Eve, the woman made me do it. And Eve said, Well, it was the serpent that made me do it. Cain, he was, said, The punishment's too severe for me. Moses said, these people you've given to me, I mean, look at this, it's the reason is because all of these people you gave me. The children of Israel complained about a lack of water, a lack of food. And Numbers chapter 14, I'd like for you to turn there with me. We're going to look at a couple of passages of scripture. As he is letting us know that we're to do all things without murmuring or disputings, we would have in mind, and he may have as well, 
what happened to the children of Israel in the Old Testament. Numbers chapter 14 says, And all the congregation, verse 1, lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? Wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? Wouldn't it be better if we went back to Egypt or for the Christian back to the world? Look at chapter 11 of Numbers. This is a verse to underline in your Bible. It's underlined in mine because I need the reminder too. It says in Numbers chapter 11, verse 1, and when the people complained, notice, it displeased the Lord. When the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it. He hears it. And his anger was kindled. and The fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. Psalm 106 Verses 24 and 25, another passage that I have underlined in my Bible as a reminder to this preacher. Psalm 106, 24 and 25. Yea, they despised the pleasant land. They believed not his word. Look at that. They believed not his word, but murmured in their tents. And hearken not unto the voice of the Lord. When we complain, we're really complaining against God. We're really complaining against the Lord. Discontentment, a, a lack of trusting God, and falling into complaining. Paul says here in Philippians chapter 2, that we're to do all things without murmurings and disputings. He's told us that, as I said already, as it follows the passages on God being in control. We doubt that God can really do what he said he can do. And somehow we're in control of the circumstances. We want to flip the switches on the wall and make it happen. And we realize there's a God who is in charge. We're told that we're to rejoice. And that word rejoice is used over and over and over. We looked at that as the theme. Joy and rejoicing is the theme of the book of Philippians. Murmuring. Why do we murmur? We say, I don't deserve this. I didn't deserve what happened to me. So we grumble. As a highway engineer in 1973, I worked for two years as an engineer trainee. We were building I-95 from Santee, South Carolina to I-26. Sitting in the truck, uh, riding out in the survey crews, and, and then we worked as a soil engineer, did some other projects, measuring fence on each side of the 10-mile section, working with those contractors. And then they came to me and asked me, said, you've worked here two years. 
Uh, we have an engineer retiring uh, in St. Matthews, the smallest county in South Carolina. I was 24 years old. I'd be the youngest resident maintenance engineer of the highway department, smallest county. He said, uh, would you take this? And I said, I'd like to pray about it. He said, I've never had anybody say that. I said, but we're gonna, my wife and I are going to pray about it, and I'll get back in touch with you. I took the job at, uh, as the main, resident maintenance engineer in St. Matthews. We moved just from Orangeburg, 12 miles over to St. Matthews, to that county. And I had 640 miles of road. Uh, that's in uh, Calhoun County and the upper part of Orangeburg County. My realization on the very first day of the job was that the same guys who had been talking about the engineer in the office and the truck for the last two years are now talking about me. The one who wears the dress shirt and once in a while wears a tie and goes into an air-conditioned office as an engineer. I realized that the truck guys now have a new person to complain about. Because the natural tendency for us is to complain, to murmur. He says, do all things without murmurings. And also, he says, disputings. The word disputings in the Greek is the word from which we get our English word dialogue. It means to question. Well, there are some people who are born in the objective case. They're always questioning, always doubting, always disputing. When we had COVID a couple of years ago, I think it brought a lot of things to the surface in the church. You saw it around the world. There are people who now still use an excuse for not coming to church. Our church attendances, you watch a lot of churches online. I'm thankful for the attendance we have here at Crossroads, but you look at the average church that you used to watch a service online and the attendance is down now from what it was two years ago. And they're still out there trying to see souls saved and still doing a visitation. They're still trying to do what they can do, but the attendance is down. Another excuse. But we saw a lot of people complaining. They could complain behind a mask. And they would say, preacher, we're going back to church too soon. Then another fellow comes to you. We're not going back quick enough. You either, it's one or the other. I mean, it's going to be, you're going to either go back too quick or you're going to go back too soon. And whatever the decision was, we just saw a bunch of folks who decided it's my turn to complain. And the church has not recovered. Pastor friends of mine over and over and over again. Brother Ledbetter, I wish we were back up to the figures we used to be in before we had COVID. It wasn't because of the death of members. It was because God gave them an excuse. And because I believe that many complained Dr. Walt Fremont, if you ever go to the wilds and you stay in the Fremont Inn, Dr. Walt Fremont, he had Lou Gehrig's disease. He was a, a, just an a energetic kind of guy. I had him, uh, he taught a class in the Doctor of Ministries. 
program that I had. He, he just very energetic guy. He had a bumper sticker on the back of his uh, golf cart. He rode around campus. He rode around campus with it on, and it, he, he would ride it. It said, if you don't like my driving, stay off the sidewalk. <laughs> he was a guy that, he'd jump up on his desk sometime and just shout something out, hallelujah, and he would, he would tell you about some truth that he saw in the word of God. But he called an attitude that we had, and he published some materials that we used in our homeschooling our children that he had. It was called having a positive faith attitude. A positive faith attitude. We just simply believe God. We don't say the task is too hard, or it's unpleasant, or it's different than what we expected. By the way, we often complain because of expectations. But he said, believe God. A positive faith attitude. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, we'll get there in a few weeks. He says in verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He said, whatever it is, with or without, I'm going to just trust God and believe that God can do in the next verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In this passage of scripture in Philippians chapter 2, he says, I want you to do all things now all things without murmurings and disputings. Verse 15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, he's writing to Christians, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. When we decide that we're going to believe God and we're, we're going to say, Lord, take this complaining away from me, it's actually a testimony of the grace and mercy of God to others. He says, I want you, if you're doing that, that you may be blameless and harmless. Blameless is a qualification for being a pastor in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and the, and the pastor that God is going to call. Uh, you look at the 1 Timothy 3 passage, it will talk about being blameless. It doesn't mean to be perfect. It means you're not able to put your finger on a major area of flaw in their life. He says, this is the way I want you to be. If you will stop complaining, you will show a testimony to others that people will not be able to put, as that waitress could have done in that restaurant, not able to put her finger on a major area of flaw in their life. He says not only blameless, but he says harmless. The word harmless is actually the word pure. As children of God, as Christians... We're to be imitators of God, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1 says. We're to be growing as a Christian and God's working in us. Matter of fact, we saw that last week that he's working in us both the will and do of his good pleasure. And he says, work out your own salvation and your own sanctification as you contribute to that by reading the word and prayer and growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ. To be conformed to the image of Christ, we're doing it without murmuring and disputing that we might be without blemish 
harmless, same word, harmless as doves, he says in another place, carrying the idea of a metal not mixed with anything else, like a pure gold, without rebuke, above reproach. As you and I look at this passage of Scripture and realize that this is what God wants to do in you and me and the kind of testimony he wants us to have to a lost and dying world, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Boy, we live. If it was crooked and perverse in this day, look at what we face in America today. I'm 72 years old. I have never seen some of the things that this country has now in it that I, I would have never thought. Some things that people told me even in the break time about some decisions that different churches have decided to make in, in their leadership that you would have never thought. I mean, Grandma would have said, what in the world? We're living in a crooked and perverse nation. He calls it that in this text. He's looking, as we're looking at this, the word crooked is the word from which we get scoliosis from. Where a person's standard spine is out of whack and it is now curved. This world that we live in is out of whack. <laughs> it's like the scoliosis. It's, it's curved spine. It's crooked Crooked, and he said not only crooked, it's perverse. We have uh, all these grandkids and great-grandkids, and I, I think about what they're bombarded with on their telephone and their computer, we, the things we didn't have, but what we can be bombarded with as well if we're not careful about it. But how that all of the things that they see now about this world are just as just brought to them and their hand with a telephone now. A crooked and perverse nation. As we're bombarded with this crooked and perverseness of this world. The only hope is found in Jesus Christ and salvation through him. Peter is preaching in Acts chapter 2 and verse 40. He said, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Untoward means the same word, crooked. A crooked and perverse nation. I think about who he was preaching to. And I think about the power of the gospel at Pentecost. And 3,000 people saved. Yeah. Amen. I love it. I love it. Still that same power of the gospel today. Amen. For he says here, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. The light shines the brightest in the darkest of worlds. He said, you're going to shine as a light for me. We have no light of our own. It's the light of Jesus Christ shining through us where we have the light. But he says that after he said, do all things without murmurings and disputings. When we murmur and complain, and everybody knows us as the murmur and the complainer, we're not shining as lights for the Lord Jesus Christ. When we're not satisfied 
we're no really, not really a witness to the lost. For he says in the end of that passage, verse 15, among whom you shine his lights in the world, notice verse 16, holding forth. Now, that really means to hold out the word of life. We're giving out the gospel to others. We're holding it out saying there's a gift that you could receive. I went to see Mark yesterday, a new convert here in our church that had his foot run over and it was just a blessing to talk to him about how he's witnessing to his sister and uh, she's going to be coming back to the house and I have an opportunity to talk to her and brother's coming in. He says he's a, he's a Christian. And I thought about how that here he is, a new babe in Christ, holding forth the word of life to his relatives, that they too could come to know Jesus as Savior. But if he's nothing but a griper and a complainer, they won't listen. They won't listen. What's interesting is that gripers seem to reproduce gripers. One generation to the next. Church splits and then a church that splits again. I've heard young people who say, Pastor, I don't want to go to church. I said, don't quit at all. I mean, if you had a bad experience at a restaurant, you don't quit eating. I mean, find you a place that loves God and that preaches the word of God and people love one another, and you go to a place like that. But they said, Preacher, that that church we went to and how all those gripers and complainers seemed like it was just one family just kind of dominated the whole thing. And it's, it's where the churches where they have a sign out there that's in slate and they use chalk and they just keep changing preachers over and over and over and over again. At 72 years of age, folks, I have wanted to commit my life fresh and new to not being a griper. When I was uh, 60 years old, I found, uh, we're, we're going through a lot of stuff. I've got Stuff my wife calls my middle name Justin Case. I've got a lot of Justin Case stuff around the house. And I opened a box uh, that was out in the barn, and uh, I opened the box, and I hadn't opened it in a long time, and it was something that somebody gave me on my 50th birthday 22 years ago. Inside of it was 50 marbles. And a note inside that said, these are extra marbles for the ones that you have lost now that you're 50 years of age. (laughs) So I made it up. My daughter just turned 37. I took some marbles out, put it in another bag, and I've got it ready to give to Amy for the marbles that she's lost now that she's 37 years old. But as I get older and older, I see more of a tendency to be a griper and a complainer. A pastor called me some time ago. It was a church I had pastored before. And he called and he said, Brother, you got to pray for so-and-so. This fellow's passed away now. But he was one of, the, one of the neatest servants of the Lord you'd ever want to meet in your life. But as he grew older and older and older, he began to gripe and complain and gripe and complain. He was known in the church as the church griper. Another pastor friend of mine, a dear fellow, he called and he said, pray for me. We've got a retired pastor in our church. I knew the pastor. He traveled as an evangelist for a while, and I had him in our our church several times. 
He said the older that man gets, the more he's griping and complaining. And his nickname now is Porcupine. <laughs> Porcupine in the church. I said to myself as I was studying for this message, God, as I get older and older and older, please help me not to be a griper. For the tendency is that for us to fall into that and we're losing our witness and our effectiveness with the gospel according to this passage of scripture. Do all things without murmurings and disputings that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth, reaching out the word of life. Paul said that if you will do that, here I am, he's in prison. He's the one that said rejoice evermore in chapter 4 and verse 4. He's in prison. He's telling them, don't you gripe and complain. And he said, but if I hear that this testimony of not being a griper or complainer and you now growing in your effectiveness as a witness for Jesus Christ by life and by lip and you're holding forth the gospel and others are coming to Jesus Christ. He said, because of that, he said, yea, if I be offered from the sacrifice, he says in verse 17, in service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Verse 16, he says at the end, he says that I may rejoice. Notice over and over again, I'm going to rejoice in the day of Christ when Christ comes back and one day we all stand before God and one day, Romans 12 14.12 says, so then every one of us shall give account of ourselves to God. We're going to all stand before God one day. As Christians, we'll stand for our faithfulness or lack of faithfulness. There'll be an, a separate judgment for the lost. But he says, I'm going to rejoice in the day of Christ when Jesus comes back. That I have not run in vain. That this life of giving myself in service for Christ and here now being in prison for the faith of the gospel, he said that it won't be empty. It won't be in vain. Because I will see your testimony. I will see what you have done. Neither have I labored in vain. As church leaders, as we have deacons meetings and talk about the next pastor and candidates that God is going to bring Pray for us that we don't be complainers. Pray that as a church, we won't be known as a complainers either. The church can move forward. I'm thankful that even in this transition period that people can grow spiritually and souls can be saved and added to the church and we can reflect Jesus Christ and, and exhibit the fruit of the Spirit Fruit of the Spirit is opposite of this complaining and griping and murmuring. We can give by our gospel witness and by the life we live a gospel example to others. Help us not to be toxic with griping and complaining. Look at James chapter 5. James chapter 5. James chapter 5 and verse 9 says, Grudge not one against another, brethren, 
lest ye be condemned, behold, the judge standeth before the door. We're going to be judged before the Lord. But judge not, he said, grudge not one against another. That means don't be a complainer. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 15. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 15. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. You'll get gobbled up too if we're nothing but a bunch of complainers. And then back in James chapter 3 as we close. I love the book of James, by the way. James 3 Verse 14, but if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not. Lie not against the truth. This kind of wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom of this that is above is first pure. We saw that already. Pure then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. I got greatly convicted over this message myself because our tendency is to drift into being a griper. So I said there's several points in this three verses. It talks about griping. It talks about growling. But we ought to be growing. We ought to be glowing for the Lord Jesus Christ, grateful and desiring to live for God's glory. May God help us today not to be known as gripers and complainers. Let's bow for prayer. Before we pray, who would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I don't want to be a griper or complainer. I've got my hand up. Pastor, if you're like that, yes, I see several hands all over the auditorium. Father, I pray you've seen hands, but more importantly, you've seen hearts. You, Lord, desire for us today to live out the gospel. To live in such a way that we reflect the gospel. And I pray that, Lord, we would be ones who trust God, believe God. And that, Lord, believe that God is in control of our circumstances, that he's working all things together for good to them that love God. And as Brianna reminded us in the song, that no matter what the circumstances, God is still good. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name.